transgressing an Avera impacts a person at three levels, as we'll see from what the Altarebbe teaches us in Nigeria Sachuva about how one fasts to repair certain Averos. This is specifically through the lens of a comment of the Rebbe's father on the Igera Satshuva. And we're also going to explore why the example that the Alter Rebbe uses to illustrate this is specifically the transgression of wasting seed. The Kvirus von Essenbe of Yomilulufantaten, the the occasion of how the 20th of Av, which is, which is the Rebbe's father's Yorzeit, falls out, is very often coincides with Shabbos the Chodesh Vosis Farbunu Mitushuva, which obviously is the month of Tshuva. So, what we're going to do, we're going to learn the first insight that the Rebbe's father writes on Igeris Hatshuva. So in the Al-Trebbe quotes the opinion that says, that if a person repeats the same Avera multiple times, then the person would have to fast the amount of fasts to repair that particular Avera, as many times as he did the Avera. And the quotation is, So there's an opinion that says that a person would have to fast X amount or X factor of how many times they did that particular Avera. On his mamshach, then the Alter Rebbe continues. Dugma gives an example. Should a person uh, expel seed inappropriately? For which the tshuva process requires 84 fasts, says the Alter Rebbe. If a person repeated that Avera 10 or 20 times, then the person would have to repeat their fasting 10 times 84 or 20 times 84. And so you would extrapolate outwards indefinitely. That's what the Alter Rebbe says. So the, the Rebbe's father comments on this as the Alter Rebbe Why did the Alter Rebbe specifically choose those numbers? That if a person repeats the Avera 10 or 20 times, says the Rebbe's father, because the particular impact of this particular Avera is an impact that affects the person's wisdom. The Alter Rebbe says this later on in the Gesach Shuvah that it affects the brain. Even though the word over here is brain, it doesn't speak so much about the organ of the brain, but rather the intelligence, the wisdom of the brain that is impacted by a person, so-called spilling seed. Says the Rebbe's father, that's why the Alter Rebbe specifically uses the example of repeating the offense 10 or 20 times, because both of those numbers represent the symbol of Chochmah. Chochmah is der Ois Yud. We know that the letter Yud is the symbol of the letter Chochmah. Which Yud? Fun Shem Havaya. Specifically the Yud that begins the name of Hashem Yudke Vavke. So the Yud, which is the tiniest of the letters, represents that kernel of original Chochmah wisdom, which is later going to expand into full-blown understanding and the, the creation of the whole world. On der Ois is verbunden mit die zwei Misparim Eser Oi Esrim. Now the letter Yud is associated both with the number 10 and 11. 10 for obvious reasons. Yud is Eser. On Yud Bemilu Oi. And when you spell out how the word is pronounced, the word Yud is pronounced, then you have a Yud, a Vav, and a Dalet. But Tereft Esrim, that has the Gematria value of 20. So Yud, which is the symbol of Chochmah, is associated both with 10 and with 20, seeing as the Avera of spilling seed impacts Chochmah. Therefore, says the Rebbe's father, the Alter Rebbe used the example of repeating the offense 10 or 20 times, two symbolisms of what Chochmah is about. So, Dav from Fashtain, 
we've got to understand, hey, one second, the Alter Rebbe is not talking specifically only about one Avera. Here the Alter Rebbe is quoting a particular view that says that a person would have to fast the amount of times relative to how often they did the particular Avera. That applies to any Avera for which a person should fast. Surely, the reference over here to Zerlevatola is only an example, as the Alter Rebbe says. For example, so why would it be relevant to a broad discussion about how a person atones for a whole series of different Averas? Why would it be relevant to speak about the significance of Zerah Levatola and Chochma specifically, just an example. The example is relevant to the example, surely, not to the entire story. And Ishail is not stark, it's actually a more profound question than we initially realized, because the dear kindem was Altarebbe chapt on the tzol eser esrim is, the fact that Altarebbe specifically chose those numbers 10 times that very or 20 times that very is, nitva voses zok di tzol uniken andere, it's not to illustrate us why the Altarebbe chose those numbers and not any other multiple of doing that very. Well, then you could probably squeeze out an answer and say, well, the Alter Rebbe had to choose a number, and therefore, So he had to come up with a number, therefore he chose a number that would have relevance to the example that he used. Now, the Shaila is, the question is, simply, Why does Alter Rebbe have to give us numbers at all? We can work it out, surely, Let's say the Alter Rebbe just said simply that a person would have to fast 84 fasts for each time that they were Moitzi Zerah Vatala, or the Aloshin some other similar expression. Without quoting any specific example of how many times. We, we would have understood what's going on. So you can't squeeze the point and say, well, the Alter Rebbe had to bring an example, and he had to use a number. So once he used a number, he used a number that was relevant to the example. He did not have to bring a number. Could have said a very simple principle, multiply it out, work it out for yourself. Says Tomo, it's really strange. We are how could we possibly suggest as the Alter Rebbe's homoousive zayin that the Alter Rebbe should add to what he's trying to tell us a dogma was mitzadatz mudafmen zinit? Firstly, he's giving us an example. Why do we need an example? We can work it out. Any avera for which you need to fast, go and read up on how many fasts there are per avera, and we'd know that. Why do we have to have an example? And then bechdei tzumaramah zayin debegam from achet protivas brengtzir nor al dogma. And then are we going to suggest that the Alter Rebbe now is telling us how many times the person repeats the avera and therefore how? How many times I have to fast just to track back to the particular example he gave? Why do that? Just tell us very simply. X factor. You do that very multiple times, you fast multiple times. Similar aspect that we're going to analyze is so we've already raised the question right why does the Alter Rebbe specify a particular number of repeats of the Avera 10 or 20 times that's going to open up another big issue that we have to explore and that is and this the, the Rebbe's father doesn't discuss why does the Alter Rebbe need any example of any Avera for which you have to fast 
When the Altarebbe says, a person who does an Avera, and he repeats it, then he has to multiply out how many times he has to fast. And if he had not given us any example of which particular Avera he was referring to, we would have understood exactly what's going on. Why does he have to specify an example? And why does the example have to be this particular example? And one last question. Why does the Alter Rebbe end off the sentence by effectively telling some, us something also we could have worked out on our own? After the Alter Rebbe says, let's say for argument's sake a person repeated the same Avera 10 or 20 times. Did he have to repeat 10 or 20 times the 84 fast for that Avera of Hatzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotzotz
Yud is forbidden. Not with the Misper Eser. Now, Oich with the Misper Eser in Canal. When Reb Leivik originally mentioned the significance of ten or twenty times that a person should fast, it was because Yud, which represents Chokhmah, which is specifically relevant to the Avera of Zerlavatola, is linked both to Yud itself, which is ten, and the full spelling of the word Yud, which gives us the gematria of twenty. So it is something associated with both numbers ten and twenty. So how come, at least looking from a more spiritual perspective, when the Alter Rebbe discusses the possibility of doing one set of the fasts, he says, in a single winter, bring to not a misper eser, you should fast 10 fasts. So not a misper eser, why didn't he suggest also the possibility of taking 20 wintry days and fasting 20 fasts in the winter? Why is that now specifically linked to the number 10? So, in order to understand all of that, we have to first understand a little bit about the nature of Reblevik's writings, and then we'll be able to extrapolate what's really going on over here. And we'll notice that Reblevik is not just simply speaking about the numbers and the significance of Yud, he's actually telling us a cardinal principle in how our various work, which, of course, is taught by the Alter Rebbe, and Reblevik is bringing to, to light. So the Rebbe has previously discussed the nature of his father's commentary on Svarim like the Tanya and Zoyar. Because of a whole series of reasons, one of those reasons being materials. The, 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 the Rebbe Levick didn't have a lot of paper or ink. So the commentary is written very, very concisely, almost cryptically so. But when we go and unpack what Rebbe Levick has compressed into his writings, we learned it with proper attention, we'll notice that Reb Leibek addresses multiple issues and questions in the Eret of at least the areas that he does address, but if I'm under Eret and sometimes even uh, information that is relevant to other topics or other areas of the same Sefer, and that's beyond what you can see blatantly in his writings. So that's a, a, an approach that we have to take when we're learning Reb Leivik's commentary, that there's always much more compressed into the short sentences that he wrote. Even though generally speaking, the style that uh, Reb Leivik wrote was always to focus on the language and then of course build an insight based on the language. But often when you pay proper attention to what he's writing, you see that you'll notice that Reb Leivik is not only writing about that particular sentence or the nuance of the language that was used in that particular sentence, but he's actually opening a window for us to understand the entire context of the whole theme of what that particular passage or even that chapter is talking about. And that's what's happening over here. On the face of it, it looks like all Reb Leivik is addressing is how come the Alter Rebbe spoke about repeating an Avera 10 or 20 times specifically or later on Unke Eser Tanius fasting 10 times. It looks like that's what he's focused on, just simply the numbers. But when actually what Reb is doing is, is opening our eyes to understand a whole lot of nuances and, and, and details of what the Alter Rebbe is teaching us, including the questions that we have already raised. In fact, not only is Reb Levick answering a whole series of questions that we have addressed, but he is giving us insight into the entire mecha- mechanics of this principle of what our various do and how we fix them. 
at least the feet there achas, the time for us, the reason why the feet there achas according to one opinion, why there's that there's a view that says that a person has to fast enough times the series of fasts to match how many times they did the Avera on the one hand. And on the other hand, and why on the other hand, there's an opinion that says, well, at the very least, if you're sensitive, you should fast this series once in your life. Kid, come on, we'll explain what all of that is. And in order to explain that, we have to understand what do Averis do to us, because that obviously would, uh, um, would require the tshuva that's going to fix the explanation is this. The, the impact and the damage of an Avera and therefore, obviously, the response to the Avera and the, the, the um, reconciliation, the, the, the fixing up of the Avera, which is Tshuva, there are three general principles or three general layers of how Averas impact us and how Tshuva has to undo those Averas. Number one, Aleph. The first thing is, any aver, be it whatever it is, is a rebellion against Hashem's authority. That is the common denominator to every aver, big or small, it's a rejection of Hashem's authority. What happens when a person does an Avera or skips the opportunity to do a mitzvah? They remove Hashem's yoke, so to speak, from themselves, and the person becomes a Rosha. So it's an holistic impact that happens to the person. The person is now being categorized in a negative category. So how do you fix it? On the tikkun of them is, how do you fix it? Like the Rambam says, The person has to abandon that behavior. And take a strong resolution not to repeat the Avera. That's the key of Tshuva. As the Alter Rebbe says, That a person should have a strong resolution in their heart. That they'll never return to this ridiculous behavior. To no longer be a rebel and to no longer transgress what Hashem wants. So, by taking that commitment for the future, which is, of course, the essence of Tshuva. Tshuva is not getting stuck in how bad the past was, but it's about making a difference going forward. So as soon as a person does that, the person is now cured from being in that status of being a Rosha. On That shift can happen even in a moment, as we know the famous halacha in Kiddushin, that if a person is Makadish, if he uh, betrothes a woman saying, on condition that I'm a Rosha, at Tzadik Gomer, we say, well, it's quite possible, and therefore, Mekadosh is Misafik. Because it can happen in a flash. With just simply a reconsideration in a person's mind, the person can switch themselves from the worst of the worst to an absolute tzaddik. So that's the first thing. And Avera is a rejection of Hashem. Tshuva is reaccepting Hashem's authority. But then it goes deeper than that. Base. To keep a person whole and, and aligned with what Hashem wants, we need to obviously be able to do mitzvahs. So if a person ignores a positive mitzvah or does a transgression, that's going to have a negative impact and cause damage to the particular part of the body that is associated with that particular mitzvah. And so each Avera will impact a different part of the human anatomy. 
and of course the spiritual anatomy as a result. So now you've got to fix that specific blemish. It's not the general sense of stepping out of line from what Hashem wants and then realigning with what Hashem wants. This is a specific area that's been damaged. So for that, for that we need the specific guidelines of how a person does tshuva for that specific avera to fix that particular damaged area. In our conversation, that's that would include the specific formula of how many fasts a person would have to have for a particular avera. That's to fix the specific area. So this is the general chuva, which is realigning with Hashem. The specific chuva that's supposed to fix that part of the body that was harmed, and that's through the process mandated by the Torah, in this case, a whole series of fasts. Then there's another layer, Gimel. The whole in human body is interrelated. So one part of the body that is harmed, damaged, or ill is going to have some kind of an impact on the rest of the body because the whole body is interrelated. So therefore, every Avera has a knock-on impact on the entire system of all the parts of the body. Especially when you consider that we know that our spiritual choices impact the world around us, so certainly then it impacts the environment within ourselves. Therefore, that's why when the Rambam describes the processes of Tshuva, he includes that not only should the person avoid the particular area where they messed up, the person has to modify their whole behavior to be upgraded and better and more focused and aligned. Why? Because the impact of the Avera is broader than just the specific area that was hit or harmed. And it, it affects other parts of the body, much like if a person had an infected wound, it could affect the rest of the body. And everything has to be addressed. So what are we seeing? The three steps to an Avera. Disconnect from Hashem. Injury to the particular part of the body. Knock-on effect of that injury on the rest of the body. Therefore, tshuva needs three stages, realignment with Hashem, specific way of modifying and fixing what went wrong in that particular part of the body, and then something that addresses how that had a knock-on effect on the rest of the person. So Torah is doch, klolus of protest nemra, as the Gemara tells us, the Torah was presented first in broad strokes and then in specifics. So that implies that every broad concept in Torah has many, many elements to it. So we've identified three chapters or three stages of Tshuva. Each of those three will have three subcomponents that reflect each of the three. I mean, again, in your nenu, the one we're going to focus on, which is the middle one, is the specific tikkun tshuva. In other words, how a person goes about repairing the damaged part of the body, which is through the series of hasts. That's related to the specifics of which part of the body was harmed, as we said, the second of the three categories. So we're talking about this part of the body. So a person did an avera with their finger, so the finger is injured. That is, on a broad sense, the finger is disconnected from Hashem. On a specific sense, the finger needs repair. And, 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 and beyond that, there's the interaction between the finger and the rest of the body that also has to be repaired. And we're going to say it now in slightly different words. We are a, a, an interrelated being. That's, that's what we are. No part of the body is separate from any other part of the body. So, so therefore, you can identify that each limb, each organ, each part of the body has three components to it. Number one, the essence of what that part of the body is. It's a finger. That's what it is. It's not a toe. It's not an ear. It's a finger. That's the essence, that's the, the essence of that, that particular part of the body, and it's, and it's this particular index finger. 
Then there is the fact that there's the elements of the rest of the body that reside within this finger. So you could either say that's the bloodstream that comes through the finger. You could say it's DNA that is encoded inside the finger, which is the DNA that contains all the rest of the body. And then And then there's the influence of the finger on the rest of the body or the fact that whatever DNA constructs a finger is also part of the DNA of the rest of the body. Okay, so there's three things. What the limb is, how the limb contains within it components of the rest of the body and how the limb is represented in the rest of the body. So therefore, if there is spiritual injury to a particular part of the body, and of course that would be caused by a specific Avera, that impact will have all three, will hit all three of these tears. So the first thing that gets attacked, so to speak, that gets harmed, is the essence of that particular part of the body. That effect is immediate. The first time a person does an avaria. So whatever avaria a person can do with their finger, the first time that a person does an avaria with their finger, it is no longer a pure finger. It is now a contaminated finger. It has shifted its crust to threshold from being aligned with Hashem to being misaligned with Hashem. And it's And to repeat the avaria multiple times is not going to make any difference to that shift. So the shift from holy to unholy, from connected to disconnected, from aligned to misaligned, has happened. It's not going to happen more so once a person repeats that error. It's it. That's it. You've done the disconnect. You're unplugged. It doesn't get more unplugged. But once we drill down into the details of what this particular limb is made out of, which includes the incorporation of all the elements of all the other limbs, so that impact only occurs when a person repeats that avera three times. So only once a person has a chazaka of doing a particular avera, then you could say not only has it disconnected this particular finger from the body uh, or from, from connection to Hashem, but also the elements of the rest of the body that reside or live within the finger are now also affected. As the Alter Rebbe quotes from the Zohar, which says, that the third time a person repeats an Avera, then the, the blemish, the stain spreads from one edge to the other edge, from one extreme to the other extreme. In other words, the person is completely, so to speak, contaminated. So the stain impacts every component of the body only from the third Avera. So the fact that this finger is disconnected from a shell, well, it's disconnected because the person did an Avera, and that's not going to become more or less so. But after a person repeats the Avera three times, then the other parts of the body that reside within the finger are now going to be equally stained and affected. The Pagan was vert in the Andere Ivorim, and then the impact that that finger will now feed back to the rest of the body, because remember the finger is now represented in the rest of the body, so if there's something unhealthy in the finger, it's going to spread, the infection is going to spread to the rest of the body. So the first time that a person does an Avera, it's not going to have that full-blown impact on the whole body, it's just going to affect the limb that was involved. But the Averus from the Ivarim is a is a is a right? It's not doing an Avera of the rest of the body. But if we're talking again about this so-called spiritual infection that's now spreading to the rest of the body, it's only logical to say that the more a person repeats the Avera, the more it spreads. So again, the first time a person does an Avera, they make an order, a, a, a fundamental shift in that part of their body, which is now disconnected from Hashem. It's a Rasha and it needs repair. And that's not going to become any worse over the course of time because it's happened in the most dramatic way. But 
to consolidate the negative effects of the Avera inside every facet of the body, needs, uh, of that limb of the body, needs the repeat of the Avera three times. And for that limb to now start having a negative effect on the rest of the body, that is cumulative. The more the person repeats the Avera, the more it's going to affect the rest of them. That explains the three different opinions, which obviously are all valid. How many times you need to repeat the series of fasts associated with a particular Avera in order for a person to atone? Of course, in a scenario where a person repeated the Avera. So is it fast and The first opinion says, well, you've got to have many Averas. That's how many sets of fasts you've got to do. Or, or the other opinion, which says, no, just do it once in your life, and that's good enough, got you covered. Or that a person should at least do, if a person's repeated that very multiple times, we haven't yet discussed this possibility, but the Alter Rebbe does, that a person repeats the series of fasts three times, and that's the Achraham Akubelis, the accepted opinion. Why do we have these three opinions? So, to lead them to Kanapagamindim, Etzim, Husfandim, Ever, if what we're looking to do is to reverse the ill effects on that particular part of the actual limb itself, that limb was disconnected from Hashem, is Maswik the Misra, Atzemis, Paramachas. Well, fast one series of, of fasts, you cross the threshold into bad, now you cross the threshold back into good, you're, you're okay, you've done what you had to do. But if you want to repair the damage that then flowed into the rest of the body, which as we've discussed is something that became worse and worse with each repeat of the Avera, well in that case you have to obviously fast for each repeat of the Avera in order to undo the ongoing cumulative effects on the rest of the body. And to, to be able to remove the damage that was done to all the elements of the body as they are manifest inside that particular limb, which we said is something that's only after three repeats of the Avera, Daphne Fast and Kimmel Pomin, well, then you have to repeat the fast three times. That also explains, by the way, why even though the Alter Rebbe decides that the appropriate way to do this is to do three repeats of the series of the particular uh, fast that are required for that particular Avera. So even though he does say you're supposed to fast three sets of the particular series of fasts, he does say the first round is the one you have to be strictest with. When it comes to the second and the third series of repeating the sets of fasts, the Alter Rebbe says you can take two half days and consider them as a single fast. Which he does not say you could do the first time around. The first time has to be proper, uh, proper fast, and we understand now why. Because that's the part of the repair, of the repair that's going to completely fix the, the major disconnect that happened right at the beginning. Because when was there real damage to the essence of that particular part of the body? Which needs to be repaired by one set of the series of fasts. Obviously that's going to be a much more severe, much deeper injury than the injury that is done to the rest of the body or at least the parts of the body as they are consolidated consolidated within that particular limb, which will be repaired by fasting a subsequent two times. With that in mind, now we can start to understand why when the Alter Rebbe brought the first opinion, that you have to fast 
according to how many times a person repeated the Avera, straight away the Alter Rebbe gives us an example. Is the Alter Rebbe Which example? The example of spilling seed. Why is that? Well, when we understand the nature of Sheikh Vazera, of the, the human capacity to, to give birth, to conceive, then we'll understand why this is specifically the, the example that the Alter Rebbe would use. Generally speaking, the Rambam tells us in Hilchis Deyos that when it comes to human seed, that the more a person expels seed from the body, the more it weakens and eventually destroys the body in a sense and makes a person, so to speak, lose their life. That gives us insight into the, what the nature is of this particular biological process. As in When a person, out of all the avarias that a person can do, when the particular avaria that a person does is to release seed inappropriately, that illustrates as Merbegilu much more clearly Aleph Vidachet Pult Echenala Evreagov. There you can see a direct link between the behavior and an effect on the body. In other areas, you can't necessarily, if a person speaks Lashon Hori, you don't necessarily see that there's some ill effect on the rest of the body. But here the Rambam is telling us clearly, this is something that's going to have a physiological impact on the body. There's going to be a weakening of the body, number one. Number two, this example also shows us that the repeat makes the scenario worse. Because how did the Rambam say, so the more it happens, the more impact on the body. Now that's exactly the theme that the Altareb is speaking about that the first time an Avera happens, it's kind of easier to fix it. And then the more repeats, the more it spreads, and the more a person has to invest in order to do Chiva. It's exactly to the theme. This is not an arbitrary example. This is a critical example. On the Ribir is the That's why he uses this example of an Avera. Because this particular example is a very stark clarification or, or, or explanation of why it is that there's an opinion that says that no matter how many times a person did an Avera, that's how many times they would have to do the series of fasts. Let's look back at the Rambam and we'll see something else that he says about Sheikh Vazera, about human seed, which gives us even greater insight into this. Before the Alter Rebbe gets to the negative side, which is that if a person wastes seed, they're actually undoing their own health, is a maktim, he introduces this principle. He says that human seed is the strength and life of the body. In other words, what he's telling us is, Now it all makes sense. Why would expelling uh, seed unnecessarily weaken the body because human seed is the strength of the body. It's the life force of the body. So what's the Rambam actually telling us? That human seed is the strength of the body. The essence of human seed is not to power the body, to energize the body. The fact that human seed has that power that kind of encapsulates inside of it all of the energy of the body is that's a, like a, an addendum to what human seed is all about. The essence of human seed is something which is beyond microscopic, beyond description, beyond measurement, and yet containing all of the, the data that will create new life. 
But we're focusing on the point that it's something which is beyond description, beyond being, you know, something that you can quantify. Not only that, but Hasidus tells us that what is unique about human seed is that it is directly linked into the essence of the person's neshama, which is why it is possible for a person to produce a child with greater talent than themselves, a greater wisdom than, than themselves, because we're not reaching just into the conscious or manifested visible part of the person, we're reaching into the core of the person, which is quite powerful. So the fact that this seed is exactly that, it is a seed, it is a kernel, it is something so microscopic and so powerful at the same time, plugged into the essence of the soul, therefore naturally it would be the vitality of the body. So its job is not to be vitality of the body, it's by, very, it's by its very nature, because it is this compressed form of the whole of life, and the potential for life, and the potential for even greater life than the parent, therefore it brings life to the person. So therefore, if we are going to speak about three tiers of what Averas do and how we're supposed to address them, it will be far more pronounced in this particular example of wasting seed. Because, as the Rambam illustrates, contained within this seed is the power of the entire body, which has an impact on the whole body, waste the seed and the body is wasted, is the pegamen andere evorim, which is an kolon in dem ever, and which is an bim kemom, was ver durch dem chet, chomer yosef in de andere chatoim. Well then naturally, the knock-on effect of this avera on the rest of the body, every avera has a knock-on effect on the rest of the body, but this one, which is so powerful in its impact on the body, must have a much more powerful impact on the other elements more so than a regular Aveira. And because of the nature and essence of this particular drop of energy called the seed, it's going to impact not just the other limbs of the body, but a very profoundly deep part of those limbs. So the, the impact and the damage is far greater than in many other Averas. Because as we've described, this is not just that here's a finger, and the finger was harmed because the finger did an Avera. Here we're talking about a part of the human biology that is linked to the core of a person's soul that is damaged. This is very significant damage. That's why the Alter Rebbe not only uses this example, because now we see it's far from an arbitrary example, it speaks to the heart of what exactly happens with an Avera, but the Alter Rebbe specifically brings this example three different times in the chapter. When he introduces the principle that you've got to fast multiple times, he says right? that, you've got to, uh, that you've got to fast enough sets of the fasts for the amount of times that the person did the Avera, he immediately pegs that to this example of Zerah But when the Alter Rebbe arrives at a conclusion of how 
is acceptable to behave, which is to repeat three sets of the fasts. Lisan is gimel piyamim. There too is a Moisif. He tells us that he calculates for us that that would be 252 fasts for Zerat Vatola. Again, pegging it to this particular Avera. And when he says that a person who is sensitive should at least do the series of fasts once in their life, is a Moisif. Again, he links it to this particular example. There too, he says, for example, if a person wasted seed for uh, 84 fasts. Why would it be necessary for a person to fast the amount of times that the person had done the particular Veda? We already explained why. It's because there is that impact that spreads out from that particular Avera into all the different components of the body. The more times a person does the Avera, the more they actually poison the rest of the body. The time of his son is Gimel Pamim, as we explained. Why would a person have to fast three sets of the particular fast? That was because to consolidate the impact of an Avera into all the components of the particular limb, which includes all the miniature or DNA, so to speak, components of the rest of the body inside the limb, that takes three repeats of an Avera. Therefore, it needs three sets of the fast. On that time, if and then the requirement to at least once in our lives do the series of the fasts fully, not two half days put together, but fully in the strictest way, is that's where we've got to get to the most harsh impact of the Avera, which is that it hit into the essence of who the person is, or what that, what that particular Avera, uh, Avera is, what that particular limb is, and it's got to be fixed. To explain that most clearly to us, the Alter keeps bringing it back to the example of spilling seed. Because as we've already touched on, we can see this much more profoundly illustrated in the impact of wasting seed, which is the life force of the body, and how it impacts the body, the limb that was involved, and all the other limbs, maybe more acutely than we'd see in other examples. And with all of this, we can go back to our original, original questions. Besides the question we asked, why do you have to use the example of Sheikh Vazera? So we've used, we've, we've addressed that. So here we're going to address the question. How come it is that when it comes to telling us you've got to repeat the sets of, of fasts multiplied by the amount of times the person did the Avera, he doesn't just say, okay, work it out. 84 fasts for each time. Or something like that. He says, 10 possibilities, a possibility of fasting 10 times, or 20 times, or indefinitely. Why did he say it that way? Questions we asked right at the beginning of the Sikha. Because as we've already said, why would you fast and fast and fast and fast again according to how many times that Avera was done? Because that way we'll cover all the four areas of blemish or damage that were done by the Avera. The first time the person completes the series of fasts, they would have cleansed all of the injury that was done to the specific limb that was associated with the Avera. Then the person repeats another two sets of the fasts. 
And in doing so, that would then expand whole negativity out of whatever parts of the body are incorporated within the limb that was the offensive limb. And then all the subsequent thoughts beyond that is obviously multiplying out how many sets the person does relative to how many Averis they did. That's going to cleanse the entire body that was all impacted and affected by that particular Aveira. On their riba, so the three things that have to happen, right? Cleansing the, the, the limb itself, cleansing the components of the body that reside within the limb, and cleansing the body at large. On the ribas, the Alter and That's why the Alter refers to three different possibilities of how you fast. Eser, Esrim, Unloilam. Ten fasts, twenty fasts, or an indefinite amount of fasts. Because these three methodologies, ten times the fast, twenty times the fast, or an indefinite amount of, uh, of times the fast, that's all going to associate with these. Uh, with these three ways in which a person uh, fixes or um, works with their, you know, their, their, their various parts of, so to speak, what was affected by the Havera. Now, one of the ways that we got to the difference between 10 times and 20 times, Reb Levick told us, is because Yud, as a letter, has, is the number 10, and Yud spelled out has the gematria of 20. That's how you get to 10 times the fast to represent the first, so to speak, um, cleansing of the essence of the limb. 20 times the fast, that is, you know, how you're affecting the rest of the body. And then, or, or the parts of the body that are incorporated within the limb. And then an indefinite amount to, to affect the, the, the full, so to speak, full-blown experience of how, you know, the, the, the offending limb affected the rest of the body. So in Hasidus, we say that Yud, the example we're going to use, or any other word that we spell out all of the letters that make up the pronunciation of the word, the only time you would do that is if you need to express to somebody else what the letter is. In fact, the, the classic example that's used is the letter Yud. When you think about Yud, when you visualize a Yud in your mind, and when you write the letter Yud, you could just put a Yud and you know exactly what it is. But if you want to tell somebody else that you're referring to a Yud, you can't just go, yeah. Then you have to add in the extra letters that create the pronunciation, the whole word Yud. But that Vav and Dalet don't come out of nowhere. That Vav and Dalet are, in a sense, incorporated in the original letter of Yud. It's just kind of like you're expanding it out. You know, it's when you looked at the Yud and you just saw the letter Yud, in your mind, you also knew it represents the Vav and the Dalet that makes the word Yud. But now you're expressing that out when you share it to somebody else. But the Vav Dalet's role in the, the, the word Yud is only for expression. So the Vav Dalet are not part of the essence of what the letter Yud is all about. They're just appendages that assist us to be able to express what the letter Yud is. So that's going to link back to the three different methods that the, that the Alter Rebbe suggests of how a person does Tshuva or, or, or does the fasts which are associated with Tshuva. Eser, Esrim, Unlo'ilam. There's 10, 20 or indefinite. They link to exactly this principle. The first possibility is 10 fasts. 
10 fasts. Why? Because we said that the nature of uh, Zerah Lavatola is that it is associated with Chochmah. Chochmah is represented by a Yud. So, so what are we doing? It's Yud, Gufa Kidmus Tipa. That's when we're fixing the Yud as it appears in its most uh, seed form. And that is which part of the body is affected by the mind. So here we're talking about the essence of the mind. The essence of the limb that has to be fixed through the fasting. When you get to the number 20, which represents the yud now being expressed fully with all of its detail. So now we're expressing the Yud and the Dalit that were inside the letter Yud. Now it's coming out. So that represents how all of the components of the body were inside this, this particular limb as well. And they were also affected and they have to be fixed. And then the indefinite number, which obviously is related to how many times the particular person did the Avera, that is related to that is the impact that the Avera had on the, on the full body, which obviously has to be addressed through the full set of, of, of fasts. And that's why when the Alter Rebbe says you could do this all in the winter to make the fasts easier, there he only speaks about fasting 10 times in the winter, not 20 times. Why not? Because there he's describing the original, so to speak, first layer of removing the Avera, which is to get the negativity out of the actual limb itself, which is by doing the set of fasts once, on the river is, dem, is in dem shayich, no dem isper all that's relevant over there is fasting 10 times, 10 times takes us to Yud, Yud is the representation of what was impacted within the human mind, the, the, within the, the, the human seichel, the human wisdom, through levatola, and therefore the way to fix it is to fast one series of the fasts that are required, and therefore, he doesn't give us the possibility when he's talking about this, you know, full day fast. We've got to have full day fast. And that's why he's suggesting you do it in the winter. He doesn't bring the other examples of fasting multiple times because that would be the next layer, not where you're trying to fix the essence of what was harmed, but rather the other components that were affected by what was harmed. And that's the next tier. And that's something which could be done a little bit more softly, as we already learned. You could actually split up half days and put them all together, etc.